you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL Podcast. That don't confront me. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a room filled, a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler and the birthday boy, Greg Rosenthal. How about that, Greggy? A little deeper into your 40s. How about that? Jackie Robinson year, 42. It's a big one. Big one indeed. Of course, also, um, you know, would have been our, our friend... Chris Wessling's birthday today would have been 47 for him. And that, that phrase we heard off the top that don't confront me that, that is like my, I have heard that in my head like <laughs> many times per day um, before West passed and since um, it's a great, it's a great philosophy. Does that, does that really have anything to do with me? No, uh, I'm not going to really worry. You know, he embraced that. I also think it's pretty amazing that the two scientists were born on the same date. I mean, there's something going on there um, from like a horoscope angle. You two like to to get into it. Um, and there's a reason that I couldn't be farther from being a scientist based on right. my birthday. And in honor of Wes, like when Greg makes, and this is for Mark, you and I, as we go proceed forward into the great unknown. When Greg does say ridiculous things like Mason Rudolph had the best quarterback game for the Steelers in 2020, like that's when Wes would have pushed back and told Greg that he's crazy to honor Wes we got to make sure we push back on Greg so that doesn't go unchecked. Well, you're right. And I, I think I was just in a stu- left in a stunned silence when I heard that Mason Rudolph business. 
I don't know if that's like it at least to, would like would be a tie. To own February with like a hot take or something. If you if you looked at the PFF grades, even they would they would pretty much be with me that it was it was right there. We do have a guest today that could say if that was a terrible take. I'm just saying I feel like people didn't watch that Mason Rudolph game. He played well for that one game. I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. Okay. Now, yes, Greg teased it. It is Greg's birthday. It would have been. Wes's birthday. It still is Wes's birthday. And why not as a, a gift to both uh, Wes, wherever he is right now, uh, and to the listeners for the first time back on our airwaves since he sadly left us. It is Dave Damashek joining the Around the NFL podcast. And, you know, this Wes is way into this because one of uh, uh, Wes's favorite NFL media people of all time, absolutely the great legendary Dave Damashek. What's up, Shek? Heroes, Rick, what a pleasure. Let's start with a little pushback, like you just mentioned there. Like, did did I hear that right? Greg Rosenthal just likened himself to Jackie Robinson. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm basically him. Don't you think of your year, you know, your birthday year in the in the in the mind of like athletic numbers like Larry Bird, that was a nice year. 33. You got to that. That's, that's, that's who I'm going to try to model myself after this year. Jackie Robinson. I, I, if nothing else for real, <laughs> nice recovery. The, 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 the <laughs> gift, the gift, uh, the gift of following sports obsessively. Uh, one of the fringe benefits is, is that it allows you to remember every phone number I do. I can remember any phone number if you give it to me just once. Cause I'll just be like, Clay Matthews Jr. Yes. And, <laughs> and uh and the Iceman George Gervin. Yeah, those are the last four digits. Okay, yeah, that's how I can piece together all things. Yes, happy <laughs> birthday uh to the boss and to Wes, of course. Yes, and uh <clears throat> you know Shaq, of course. He is now um the host of the minus three podcast that covers uh, Northeast Sports. Uh, and also the Extra Points podcast, which everybody knows with Cousin Sal and Daves of Thunder, which is an, another deep hiatus. I mean, enough. At some point, either, you know, uh, do the show or don't do the show, Dave. But we all love that as well. Um, well what's new, Shaq? And and the reason why I reached out to you is because, yes, Dave, you know, Dave's a funny guy. We all love, oh, Dave's funny. He's always got the quips. But Shaq also, <laughs> sneaky, uh, insightful fella. And I really thought that, you know, with Sheck, this is actually two weeks to the day now that we lost uh, Wes. I would love to hear your thoughts on the man, uh, Chris Wesseling, Sheck. Well, um, you know, first of all, I really do think and I understand that, um, you know, the, the, the tragedy, there's no workaround of of how horrible this is for for Keisha and for and for Link and for you guys and everybody who cared about Wes, obviously. But um, I, I really do choose, you know, I, I grew up with uh, with Mo Damashek, the nurse and, uh, you know, who'd, who'd been around a, a, a fair amount of stuff and my old man as well. And I, I really did take note early in life of like at, my mother sort of chose to celebrate in these tele, in these awful moments. Um, and I really do. You know, I, I, I'm really happy for Wes that he got to have the last decade or thereabouts that he had with you guys. And so I, you know, I, I really do say be proud, uh, Greg Rosenthal for, for convincing him to, to do what he kind of lived by, which was to, was to, you know, I, I, it, it sounds glib or it sounds like a joke, but for real, 
you convinced him to leave his safe space and move out here. And, you know, Wes was, for all the lovely and accurate things that have been said about him in the last uh, few days here, I mean, you know, he was idiosyncratic enough that he really lamented when he got out here. Like, I don't know if I belong out here kind of vibe. And this is this is weird. I, I miss the island. You know, the islands where it's at. Those are real people. These people are all phobies. Everybody out here in LA is a big phony. And all, and all of that. And, and, and look, where, look where it landed for all of you guys. And you're to be, you know, you know I, I hope you can relish it amidst all this, uh, you know, this obvious awfulness of, of you know, what you guys did and, and how the quality of his life the last eight years, I suspect, is uh, is right up there for him with all the years that he had. And as much as he loves his family and his brothers and, you know, his 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 red legs and his 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 island down there in Georgia and everything else. I think that, uh, you know, it was apparent to anybody who interacted with him over the last few years that uh, that he somehow ironically, after all this, uh, you know, he didn't he, he didn't love Los Angeles and he didn't love the vibe and he felt uh, like an outsider. And I, I, I really do feel like he was as at home and found his real home with you guys as much as anything, and, and individually with you. Like, I, I, with all respect to Keisha, his first soulmate in Los Angeles was Mark Sessler. Um, <laughs> and I really, I, I, you know, I went there just to be an onlooker after you guys won your softball crown, whichever one it was. I just went there to to bask in the reflected <laughs> glory. And I, I, I mean, the the seminal image for me is is uh, unironically two grown men after winning a dumb softball thing with their arms around each other. I, I don't think I took that photograph, but I was standing right behind those two when that photo was taken. And it was lovely and indicative of of the late night you had. And I, I, I'm waxing, obviously, and interrupt me at any point, please. But, I you know, I, I just he was he was really oddly. Or he stood out in the 21st century to me. He was anomalous. And it was like, oh, what he is, is a retro kind of human being. He is like something from a black and white Western movie or something. Like he was like Gary Cooper in his straightforward purpose. I mean, and if his purpose was having fun at 2.30 in the morning with Sessler and bending the elbow, it it meant something. And I really mean that. There was no, there was no sort of, throwaway moment with Wes. Everything, even fun, um, meant something to him. And and I know because I interacted with him and, uh, you know, I maintained a text chain with him this last, uh, you know, handful of months and everything. And and almost without fail, he would mention the uh, the sense of purpose that you guys gave him and the fun that it, it meant for him amidst all this uh, not uh, the, 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 the God awful stuff at the hospital and everything else. The fact that he could interact with you and 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 uh, have a smile as a result of it, I I, I really do. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I, it's terrible. It's it's heartbreaking. Those are the obvious things. But in the it, it, right now, I think you guys should, if it makes sense, to be proud of what you guys forged together and uh, and you know to to be happy that you directly, Rick included, delivered you know, some of the best moments of, of Wesling's life and look where it led. I mean, ultimately he was, is this a message for other people to take chances and, and all that sort of thing? I mean, he moved from his safe space. He loved, he he lived on an Island. He loved it. 
<laughs> he moved out here to rugged, uh, you know, weird LA and felt like a foreigner. And look where it wound up eight years later. You know, he, and I, I wish he had another five decades, but you know, to, to enjoy it. But, but the last five or six were, uh, were, you know, more living than a lot of people get to do. It would have been rewriting history to now say, Oh, Wes loved LA. Once he got here, you know, he loved it. Uh, even as late as last year, he would say that LA is weird. He didn't necessarily love it, but there is that that element of it. And uh, Sheck, I know you um, obviously are not a native to Southern California, although you've been out here a long time now. None of us are. I mean, Greg, Mark, myself, all come from the Northeast. Ricky from the Northeast. Uh, West Cincinnati, Tybee here. Uh, Colleen from Philadelphia and Gonzo from Philadelphia. I mean, Henry from England, for Christ's sake. Uh, and we all came here without family and we built out our own um, West Coast, Southern California family here. Um, and that's why, you know, it it wasn't West wasn't just losing a colleague or even a friend. It felt like we lost a family member because we really did, because that's that's what we did um, in coming together. Um, and I'm just to to your mother. That's a great way to look at it, that we celebrate uh, that we had that time together. Um, she so she just was not. I, I do remember her. You know, you look around at uh, awful, you know, funerals and everything, and people crying. And I'd look across, and, and my mother's out over there cracking wise with people. You know, like <laughs> like you know that I, with uh, you know to to try and um, celebrate the person a little bit. And you know, I heard you guys the other um, uh, last week. I guess uh, your your first show back. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just. It, there was something too that uh, with with Wes that there he, a, a, a sense of authority in interacting with him. And you guys talk about the validation you get from him agreeing with your football opinions. That was a real weird thing. I, I mean, for, it was real and true for me as well. And that the other thing with him was, I, I, as far as that goes, making him laugh was what I mean. You know, for. Uh, someone like me, when when Wes laughed, that was that was one of the more delightful. Making all human beings are not equal. Yeah, making all human beings laugh is not equal. <laughs> and, and getting a laugh from him, you knew was sincere. He he was he was not uh, um, placating you with his laugh. You know, he's a fascinating man. You know, and and you know his football love and but his love of books and great to talk about music with. And no matter how how. Uh, how much we disagreed on it. It was always a compelling uh, back and forth. And, you know, and, and, and like I say, he had this Gary Cooper quality that was funny that would give way um, once uh, under the cloak of night and a couple of drinks in that he became like a 15 year old who'd had his first beer, you know, he became <laughs> giddy. And that, that was also a delightful way to interact with Wes and, and uh, those two sides of him. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, uh, talking about, football or otherwise with him bumping him into bumping into him in the hallway but uh was always good but one thing that really came through was that the the comfort he had with you guys you guys were his like you say you were they uh, you know people say stuff like that but you were really his brothers and uh and his family and shout out to the first uh sports couple of philadelphia for for you know helping um grease those skids as well for for wes and for um <laughs> for our pal, the pie queen Deeker and everybody else. It really, uh, it really transcended, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but it, it, it the, the, that was a, a neat little group that was uh, put together over the last, 
you know, five to 10 years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fun certainly to be a part of that. Not, not to um, say that that doesn't carry forward, but uh, obviously Wes, definitely the point is, is that Wes really uh, embraced that as much as anybody, because like Hanzu says, we're all from somewhere else, but for some reason it came across that Wes was like, what kind of place is this? What are we doing out here? This isn't the way people do things. These people are way crazy. Let's get to the, get back to the real people, the kind of vibe. And he transformed into there was no better home for Chris Wessling anywhere on the face of the earth than sitting with you guys, chopping it up and laughing, uh, whether it was being recorded into a microphone or uh, in the wee hours of the AM. It was always uh, it was always compelling and fun and and nice to to uh, be a part of or be around. I would say also, Sheck, that I, you know, one, I, I love the way that you noted about making him laugh. We've talked about that a little bit. And one of the first places I thought that he started to feel at home was in our newsroom, which was very communal back in the 2013, 2014 era. And uh, you were someone, I, just because I, I sat three or four feet away from him for a billion days. And when you would come in, and I, anyone that has been in our newsroom knows that when Dave Damashek comes in, I mean, things change the energy it's not in the a room. quick visit it's it, yeah. well but yeah, it's but the room changes there is there I, there was one thing that i think when you i thought that you really won wes over with your daring do because we were also at times depending on what executives were in there it was a very it could be suddenly very serious but you know if you've watched nfl network they crack <clears throat> into the the moment where like a, a a news reader is you know telling you about breaking news and in the background you can see all of us jabronis typing away on our keyboards and stuff. Drones. And Sheck would do this thing where he'd get about 20, 30 yards away from the newsreader, but he'd be in, in the background. You could see him. And he'd do that old trick where you pretend to be walking downstairs by bending your legs. And literally on NFL Network, there is a grown man um, <laughs> walking downstairs that don't exist. And Wes could not contain himself at that time. I remember that moment. And he also, I know you do his impression, but he loved when you would do impressions of Greg and Dan. Um, I'm excluding myself he, because I'm he, pure and you can't do one of me. He liked his, he two. liked the Tyvee one too. I mean, that shows. Yeah. The, I, I think it was well said, Sheck, with the brotherhood almost that he was used to having all these brothers around him. That was what was like, <laughs> that was his comfort zone. And so he sort of created that and was part of that um, with us. But yeah, yeah. Your Tyvee impression, it, it, it was a, it was a fine line, uh, but you're lucky that he uh, he loved it, like because you just cracked him up so much. Uh, <laughs> it's like I don't sound like that. Had to, had to be on the right side of that line, and then my impression was actually an impression of Sheck and doing the impression of Wes. So it was essentially just a watered down uh, version of the same thing. I also like I also like uh, since you brought it up, Mark. Um, not to get too off track, but when Dave would drop by the newsroom. We had a, a, there was a deeply unpleasant shadowy league figure um, uh, that was in the newsroom for a period of time uh, that could not stand when Dave came by. And they were, they were diametric <laughs> opposites as human beings. You need and to be more just, specific, although this, I think I know. There's this, so this, many. This LF, you know who it is, Greg. This okay. SLF would come out and he would see Dave and he would just, you could, you could see the eye, the eye roll like almost coming out of his head. Uh, when Shaq was around, and that's and it felt good because we well, I think also he knew that not a shred of business would be conducted when <laughs> when when Shaq was making the rounds, and I think even maybe sometimes Greg would be like, "Guys, get get back to work. We have like fourteen posts to write." It's like, but Shaq is here. Oh, what what will the world do without updated uh, pro football information? Well, listen, we're all cheating life here, friend. You know, don't 
why are you throwing uh, a wet blanket on the fact that everybody gathered in that space is cheating <laughs> life by definition. We are getting paid to talk about football and on some level and, and, and that some ne'er-do-well couldn't get that straight in his head is not my problem. And I was not going to bend the knee to that nonsense. He, he, th- he still thought he was in some like newsroom in Dallas in November, 1963. <laughs> he goes, no, dude, this is football. We're um, just updating the Jaguars uh, committing to Teal as their home jerseys. We're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing anything important. And, and to put a button on it, Shaq, before we move on, because we got to talk about a big trade involving another star quarterback in the NFL. We got to talk about what's going on with Shaq Steelers. We're going to get to that as well. Uh, but Wes, you mentioned Gary Cooper twice. And, uh, as I've asked by way of Tony Soprano, Mark, m- many times, whatever happened to Gary Cooper? Turns out he was right next to us the whole time. The whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's get to it. Let's do some football talk. We got Sheck here. It is Wes's birthday. And by the way, great job by the NFL media digital team. Patrick Crawley, um, Sarah Parsons, John Marvel, the whole gang, Ali Bunpuri. Um, they are rolling out in honor of Wes's 47th birthday, or what would have been Wes's 47th birthday. Uh, they're they're bringing up on the homepage at NFL.com all of his best work. Uh, and because Wes was such a gifted storyteller and podcaster, but, I mean, Evan Silva, who we all love and respect from Roto World and now at Established the Run, um, he, he said on his show recently that he thought that Wes was maybe the best sports writer in the country. That's the type of talent Wes was. So if you go to NFL.com uh, at any point this weekend, and it should be up by the time you get to this, you could read uh, his Houston Oilers feature, Love You Blue, Ohio River offense, about the Cincinnati uh, Bengals and Steve Walsh attack, his QB index pieces, which were incredibly insightful and many times went beyond just basic football, um, pieces about his Patriots coverage during those Super Bowl years. He always had such a great eye for that. His Making the Leap pieces, the series that we did for uh, many years, um, talking about players on the rise. You might not be surprised to learn that Wes got that right a lot. He wrote a really compelling piece about Steve Smith uh, deserving a spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just a ton of great stuff, and they're going to populate some podcast stuff down the line as well. But if you want to learn more about Chris Wessling, the writer, NFL.com's got you covered. I was right. telling you guys real quick too that like if you're just if you're an obsessive, go find a random Wes um, newser on like an arrest or a suspension. I would take I would take his news items and print them out and go read them to figure out what the f I was doing on that front because he was such a decisive um, author when he would take on any subject. It's a, I, I love what NFL.com has done here. Um, all right, let's get to the big story: the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, we did the QB carousel game. A couple of weeks ago, not for nothing. Old Zeuser had this one, right? But it wasn't necessarily a shot in the dark. It felt like it always made sense. The Indianapolis Colts have acquired Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for a 2021, 2021 third-round pick and conditional 2022 second-round pick. That's important here. That conditional second-rounder becomes a first-rounder if Wentz plays three-quarters of the Colts' snaps or 70% um, – and the team makes the playoffs. So there's a couple things there, but there's a good chance or a decent chance, I should say, that this does become a first rounder. But on the surface, Greg Rosenthal, uh, the Colts just acquired a guy that not so long ago was viewed as a superstar level talent, a quarterback. And they, to me, upgrade from an aging Phil Rivers. What do you think about this deal? 
Oh, I think Carson Wentz has a lot um, to prove that he could even be as good as Philip Rivers in 2020. I don't. I, I I think they're taking a risk. It's not a huge price they're paying, but it's something. I'm shocked that the Eagles got that much at this point. I mean, Carson Wentz wasn't just bad last year. He was like one of the two or three worst quarterbacks in the league. There's not a lot of precedent for anyone playing that poorly during his prime. You can make a lot of excuses for it um, and and being like a really big difference-making quarterback. Then you look at the rest of his career. I would say maybe one of those years has he been significantly you know better than average. Uh, and so I think, okay, you're giving up a second. You know this guy. Uh, it could upgrade to a first. You're giving up a third round pick it's worth a shot because you know him and they believe in him and it's a great situation for him but uh, i don't know like it to me to expect him to be better than average i think is probably expecting too much i mean i would say this though i feel like he is going to a roster that in a couple of ways reminds me of the eagles super bowl roster uh when he did play so well and I'm, i'm with you greg i mean to watch what happened to Carson Wentz last season, um, it was, you know, visually a, a four-month car crash. And it, and he lost all his confidence. He seemed broken to me from the neck up. And I don't think he and Doug Peterson, um, that relationship clearly was uh, running out of time. I love him being paired back with Frank Reich again, just in terms of the fit of where he could have gone. Someone that knows him, someone that got the best out of him probably was the better head coach um, hidden in a, a, at a coordinator level there. Uh, I think it's a good environment and they've got a great offensive line. So you can see, I could, I say the ceiling would be comeback player of the year. Um, the floor is this is an unfixable quarterback, but I, I, I don't believe he's unfixable. I, I think this is, this is, if this works, Chris Ballard will look very, very smart um, from the Eagles side. What are we doing here? Uh, this team to me feels like a year and a half ago, everyone's, you know, do, you know, song and dance about their analytics driven front office and all this other business. I mean, you look what they invested to get Carson Wentz, what they ultimately paid him, the incredible amount of dead money that they're taking on to let him go, which is the new trend in the NFL. Let's get rid of these guys and pay for it after. Um, I think a lot has to be pointed at Howie Roseman and the Eagles. Howie Roseman, do you still have the Carson Wentz poster in your office, or have you taken that down? Mm. (laughs) Aren't you surprised though they got that? Like, no one else made an offer. Like, I think both things can be true. The Eagles signing Wentz to that contract and the Rams signing Goff to that contract were catastrophic mistakes in a very similar way that I think will affect how teams approach signing guys early because both of those guys would have ended their rookie contract with the option year this year they didn't have to pay any of it you know with all that said he was it was like a it was a tire fire if there wasn't Frank Reich out there I don't think they would have gotten anyone because his contract is just as onerous as Goff's they were about to be guaranteed like he had an option in his contract where they were about to be guaranteed to pay him 70 over three and 55 over two all this stuff so I think they're probably in this point mildly relieved that they got rid of him um, at this price, but it's still kind of a catastrophe what what happened over the last few years. And they're going to have to come up with so many solutions on a aging roster so quickly or Howie Roseman could lose his job because he's not the only one that's going to be gone. Alshon Jeffrey's definitely gone. Malik Jackson's definitely gone. Deshaun Jackson 
uh, is definitely gone. There's more I'm forgetting about. Like they are going to be spinning that wheel and they have a lot, a lot to fix. Uh, and and uh, Ballard puts himself on the line a little bit too. You know, they, maybe it's a one-year thing with Wentz if it doesn't work out. Um, but they need to find a left tackle. They need to make it work with Wentz because I think the bar of Phillip Rivers is sneaky high. Like Carson Wentz in 2019, the last time we thought he was okay, he wasn't as good as Phillip Rivers in 2020. He was pretty bad then too. So that's, right. that's so, a two-year that's a two-year sample size. So let me let me just say, Greg, I think you're overvaluing as I always feel like you did Philip Rivers and undervaluing Carson Wentz here. I, I think I'm saying look at his 2019 season on balance, okay. not just the last four I thought, four games, the whole right, season. Maybe it's something you got to go back and take another look. I thought he was excellent in 2019, especially down the stretch. Um, taking a, a really beat-up Eagles team to the playoffs. Um, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks, 4,000 yards, passer rating over 100. I thought he was a, a franchise quarterback in 2019. 2017 was an MVP year before he blew out his knee. And I understand you can't take out the health issues with him. Because- hey, by the way, uh, t- Tom Brady was going to win the MVP that year. I keep hearing everyone said – Carson Wentz was the MVP. Tom, Tom Brady was winning that MVP this year. I just keep hearing that. I got to. Well, but he out. was playing at that level. He, they, it was the, it was one too. But I keep the, hearing he had, everyone say he, he was the, league, the MVP. He was. He was MVP. on pace for forty five hundred yards, forty five touchdowns. He led yeah. the league in touchdown percentage. He led the league in QBR that season. He was an absolute MVP candidate. Uh, but the injuries are a real thing, obviously here to keep in mind, and also how bad last year was. But I think it's well worth a gamble, Shaq. Uh, to bring him in because the Colts are a win-now team. And if Frank Reich, if Frank Reich's there, I don't like the trade. With Frank Reich there, I think it's well worth the gamble, and I think it could pay off big. Yeah, that, I mean, if you do the math on that and what changed for Carson Wentz, the thing that stands out more than anything else is the departure of Frank Reich, and it became clear that Peterson wasn't the uh, wasn't the magic factor in that uh, on that coaching staff. It was Reich. Um, so I guess that makes sense, and like, the outsized egos of starting NFL QBs, offensive coordinators and head coaches also have an ego that tells them, I can fix this guy. I know he looked bad, but I'm the one who can fix him. I guess we'll have to wait and see how that goes. I do think in the meantime that I mentioned, I I mentioned the, the swagger that just about all these guys have. I think it's very weird in the last 24 hours or so, I've already seen a couple of um, sort of uh, boastful, weirdly sort of proud of themselves, uh, media members from Philadelphia. I don't get the math on what Philadelphia as a sports town thinks they're doing, that they're so proud of their ability to chase away some high-end athletes. Like, (laughs) hey, Philly ain't for everybody. It's a tough town, toughest sports town. The fan base will not let you go like, well, great. Well, I mean, so you're going to scare away some people who might otherwise thrive in your sports town? Good for you. Well done. You've you've done it again, Philadelphia. Um, These guys get it. Yeah, I don't get the anti-Wentz thing in Philadelphia. He helped you win your freaking first Super Bowl ever. He was massive in winning your Super Bowl. And there's this weird thing that I, I totally agree with. Connie Fox wanted to strange. throw him into the ocean. Right. It's very straight. I get the last few years, but if someone had told you like this guy's going to set you up to win a Super Bowl, that your backup ends up finishing up, you would think you'd be grateful to him for the rest of your life. Give me a break. I just think that the, the obviously the Colts are as win now as, as just about any roster you look at, or I don't know if win now applies, but what is the best roster? If you remove the quarterback from the equation, the Colts are, near or at the top of that list. So it makes sense that you want a guy who can make him go because 
you know, I, I really think they, they had a Super Bowl run in them. And if not for a play or two, um, that, you know, they might have at least uh, gotten to Kansas City. Um, but in, in our, you know, I talk about QB saturation. This is not 2011 anymore. There are more viable starting quarterbacks out there than there are starting gigs. Is Carson Wentz definitely the best guy that they could get to fill that slot in, in, in the real world? Not, not pie in the sky, fantastical. Like they should just get Deshaun Watson. Why don't they do that? Like, cause they're, they're, cause Texans aren't going to trade him to you in the short term. Is Carson Wentz the best guy they could have gotten? I'm not sure, but maybe as I look around, is Russell Wilson right. really going to get dealt away? I don't know. Otherwise Let's, draft. I don't know. To that point, Shaq, uh, and the, and the Colts, they kind of put it out there that they were looking for a veteran, they're out of bit. They're out of this business now. But why don't we spin the QB carousel here, um, and and check in on these other quarterbacks? Now that the market is not settled, but we have some movement here. Stafford, Goff, Wentz, um, a report. Jimmy G. There's another option the Colts had there. Um, a lot of smoke about the end of the the Niners and Jimmy G. Era. He has fifty one million due over the final two years of his contract. Not guaranteed, though. So maybe the Patriots make a play. Sam Darnold, another another veteran that hypothetically the Colts could have been interested in, uh, report out there today uh, that he could be available for a second-round pick. We've been hearing that forever. Deshaun Watson, we're at a stalemate there, obviously, right now. We don't know what's going on. Keep an eye on the Raiders with Mariota and Derek Carr. One of those guys could and probably will be moved. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Big Ben. Uh, Dave Damashek. I love the buzz that now that this uh, just this week is the first time I've started to hear it. Like, could Roethlisberger play for another team? I, you know, if you drop him onto the Broncos, would that be a crazy? Is that really that crazy that he would make them go? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that with Roethlisberger, I feel like I, I didn't get uh, get into doing this so that we could talk about uh about math. I don't I don't understand macroeconomics and I don't care about math as a fundamental um course in life but um as far as I understand it and scientists please step in here Rosenthal and let me know where I'm wrong here. The cap is not going to be I mean the, the hit is never and it never was going to be 41 million as I've said all along. They'll re- presumably drop him all the way down to 19 million, which is as low as they can get him. So 19 million is the hit. Ergo, the the aforementioned fantastical solutions at quarterback aren't real. Deshaun Watson's not landing in Pittsburgh. In, in given that it's a 19 million dollar cap hit, and they're not gonna that none of the high end QBs that are gonna go near the top of the first are gonna be available in reality. Why don't you just roll with Roethlisberger anyway? This this it's time to reset in Pittsburgh. It's a, to what? There's not. There isn't. Who are you putting in there? Someone must start a quarterback. And what do you get out of Mason Rudolph that you don't get out of Ben Roethlisberger in 2021? Other than can Mason Rudolph hack it as the long term solution? Spoiler alert: He can't. However, Rosenthal's <laughs> right. Rosenthal's right. He did play really well, and it was kind of eye opening for those of us who were who were who were hypothesizing that Roethlisberger round about the Washington game as they were undefeated kind of realized like, I can't keep taking these shots. This offensive line is junk for the next five weeks. We're safely into the playoffs. We're going to win the division now after we beat the Ravens. I think there was a calculation 
and I kind of still stand by this, that he made a calculation, I'm getting the ball out of my hands no matter what, and I don't care. And then it started to slip away from them, and then he flipped the switch in the second Mm. half against the Colts and turned it on, and all of a sudden there he was, pump faking, throwing throwing 45-yard passes on a rope and, and so on. And then the Browns game, and then, well, then the Mason Rudolph game happened, and I thought, what in the hell? This is a little, this is weird that Mason Rudolph is having more success <laughs> uh, pushing it than than Roethlisberger was. And then the Cleveland game, inexplicable. That first ha- that first quarter was an absolute atrocity. Well, it seemed explicable to me. <laughs> I, I, we, I, I don't think we've had a chance to. Um, to uh the tables have turned oh, we didn't really they might have ended big ben's steelers career my my thing is just the, do the steelers want him i, I get what everything i get saying. the sense now i, I get I the guess, sense they don't yeah so their general manager kevin colbert said this week you know is very ambivalent about it he's on the roster right now the owner rooney said earlier in the offseason essentially he's not coming back unless he takes a pay cut ben says publicly i'll pay for i'll play for whatever you want now it's very possible especially knowing ben roethlisberger that he's saying that and his agent is not um just lying down and being like that behind the scenes and they're like if you play any hardball with us we're just gonna cut you like that's the thing they are ready to cut him they they have already made the decision he's gone uh, if he doesn't want to play ball, they might've already made the decision. He's gone anyways. And I think to answer your question, Dave, of like, why do that? And yeah, you could reduce the cap. It, well, you'd be pushing some of that cap pain into the future years. The Patriots decided to take all their medicine in one year. That's what the Steelers would do this year would kind of make sense. Cause right now they're like 30 million over the cap. Uh, and their left tackle is a free agent. Marcus Bounty, their center is a free agent. They might want to, consider cutting their potential future Hall of Fame guard, David DeCastro, who's coming off a terrible year. Uh, they have a lot of problems. Uh, they might cut, you know, one of their starting cornerbacks. There, there's a lot of issues in Pittsburgh, and they might just be like, let's just take our medicine now, see what happens. But, what does that get, but, but my pushback on that is, what does that get you? Any of these big free agent decisions? Nothing now. Have, nothing now. But it's basically just saying, you. You it's saying that we don't believe – it's saying we don't believe in Ben Roethlisberger anymore. Right, yeah, but you just, can kick it down the road, but for relative nickels and dimes to kick uh, small portions of that contract into 2022 and 2023, that it, as the cap goes up, it'll, it, it will uh, be marginal, uh, a marginal hit against them. But the, the, again, the, the crazy kind of thing is like, yeah, but if they, just, if they just blow up, if they just stink it up, this is what people keep missing. They cannot be the 2020 Jaguars. They cannot do what the Jets or anyone else has done in tank because Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick are not going to allow that to happen. They went in 2019, eight and eight with Duck Hodges. You think they're going to, what do you think? They're going to go two and 14? There is no world in which that happens. So this nonsense about, well, if they really stink in 2021, then they'll get a high pick. And by the way, I am big, like I say, on QB saturation, thanks to the pipeline that exists from college football every springtime. 2022, not as juicy as the last three or four QB classes have been. So this thing of like, man, just blow it this year so that you get who? Spencer Rattler? What are we talking about? Isn't isn't the move the most straightforward move for the Steelers to make? A team that was 11-0 before the wheels came off and has has all this talent that you've referenced uh, that should be ready to go if they can get – solid QB play to go with everything else. 
that you would bring back Big Ben and then just upgrade over Mason Rudolph as somebody that you could turn to, whether it's through the draft or one of these veterans that are, um, you know, at a discount. And then you give yourself a better safety net. And maybe it turns out you're like, you're right. But maybe with the Big Ben situation last year, he changed his mindset to disastrous results. So you give another, give him one more chance to play the guitar. And if he doesn't, you're not turning to Mason Rudolph, just hoping and praying that he's fine. The light's going to finally go on. Well, here's what I'll say about, uh, I I think that the move is, I mean, uh, Joe Douglas a couple weeks ago said something about wanting a first for Sam Darnold. I want a lot of things too. Um, (laughs) But I think a second, you know, especially if you can move it past 2021 into future years, like what what the Eagles just uh, got away with with the Colts. If you can get, you know, a second or a third in 2021, Joe Douglas wants draft picks. It's not like the Jets are ready to roll in the, and take over the AFC East. They need players. And if they're going to go at number two with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, they're going to purge um, Sam Darnold, I would think, in in, in um, trade for, for a draft pick. That's the answer to me. Get Sam Darnold. But I think also, Rosenthal, I think you're right. I don't think they necessarily want. I don't think they, they have bright-eyed uh, thoughts about how great Roethlisberger One last time, he's going to turn back into 2008 Roethlisberger. I don't think they think that. But I think they're thinking we might have our best option may end up being given the $19 million that we have to pay him, and it prevents us from going after some other guys as a result. But if we bring – I could see the ego. Like we've seen these franchise QBs not like other guys being brought in to replace them and all that. I could see – there being some attempt to thread the needle on the Steelers' part to say, like, yeah, we want you back, Roethlisberger, but Roethlisberger said, I'll take the cap, but you can't bring somebody in to replace me. Like, I, I, you're you're not going to turn around and then trade to get so-and-so. I could see that being part of the equation right now. Um, and, and also, more practically, I don't know, maybe the agent is saying, like, yeah, we'll give you it. We'll give you a discount. We're not, we're not dropping it all the way to $19 million. And maybe Colbert's like, oh, well, we – well, we took your guy at his word that he's going to go all the way down. He doesn't care about that. <laughs> if he's actually oh. making us, if he's actually denting our ability to re-sign, let's say, Mike Hilton or Cam Sutton or one of these DBs that they otherwise could make a run at, I, I could see them balking at that. Like, hey, we're playing hardball, seven. We, you want to come back? Great. We understand the situation. It won last year, but it's $19 million. You're not getting anything more out of us. This is timely, actually. I am checking out Twitter um, as we discuss this situation, and this tweet from Will Welch, who is the GQ editor-in-chief. Um, what? Fresh quotes from Ben Roethlisberger in a tell-all sit-down with GQ. Oh. Cleveland broke me. They reduced me to tears. Um, to the naked eye, I was no more than a toddler. I still have nightmares about what the Browns mm. accomplished that night. Added the Steelers QB. I've had this recurring dream that when Pittsburgh dumps me, they spend the next 25 years looking for a functional signal caller. <laughs> Terrible towels will be used to wipe the tear-stained faces of Pittsburgh area children, children who will never learn to read because they live in Pittsburgh. Said Ben, in this dream, Steelers fans would be thrilled <laughs> to get one-third the quality of a broken-down Mark Malone circa 1988, but they won't come close. Employing ham and eggers such as Wally Jingles, Spurgeon Wind 2.0, and Jessica Maxwell from Human Resources. End of tweet. Yes. That's, so that's a, that's a, uh, something that's coming well on the GQ say. front. Look at that. Just shattering the glass ceiling uh, in the end of Wow. I mean, that's a pretty good get by GQ there. 
Right. I. It's He's not spoken. a total shock. Like, what about Ben Roethlisberger would tell you that his divorce from uh, the Steelers and really the whole end of the rest of his career isn't going to be incredibly ugly, you know, and <laughs> with like backbiting and lying and all sorts of stuff. I frankly, I'm looking forward to it. Ed Bouchette's going to have some juicy quotes. Well, I'll for tell sure. you, that's for sure. And by the way, I don't know if you can see it uh, for anyone looking right now, uh, in honor of most of the nation dealing with snow. I, I've, it's snowing, apparently, in, uh, in my home here. The, the, I don't know, my crummy computer is making it do that. Um, yeah, the, the Roethlisberger, um, <laughs> the, the last few days here, uh, or the last, I, it's also, he wants to come back and be a part of a winner. And it's, it's funny that they keep saying like, you understand we're not going to be good if you come back. And they're really trying to will him to like, it's the guy you don't want coming over. Like we're not doing anything. We're, we're you know, we're not, we're not going to have any fun. So may as well not even come over kind of thing. So they're trying to convince him not to show right, up. Cause why, why would they have, I guess I think they're having a crisis of confidence of like, why do we think we're going to be better next year? Period. That we we finished the season so poorly. And you mentioned the whole, like, yeah, you can take his salary cap down. But you can also, like, cutting him saves $20 million against the cap. There's all this, like, confusion of there's like there's dead money. And that's true with Carson Wentz. But it that's didn't talk- the dead money, though. I'm, when I talk right. about it, the $20 million, I that's get it. dead money. Yeah, but it ultimately, like, trading Carson Wentz didn't cost the Eagles anything this year. And you got rid of him. And in cutting Ben Roethlisberger would save 20 million of cap space when they need it. And so bringing him back, even if you lowered it all down, like it gets complicated and your you, other players might have to go. And they're just like, why do we think that team is gonna be good? We kind of don't. So, uh, or, or better, like we, we need, we need someone, we need a quarterback that can be a huge difference maker and he's probably not that guy. So we should start looking for that guy. I, I hear all of that. I don't, uh, but none of those individual decisions um, with other free agents uh, are impacted by that. Assuming he does, like I say, goes all the right, way right. to zero or to, to the, to the um, slimmest of, of cap hits possible. The other thing I will say is because, uh, you know, with uh, Will Welsh, they're doing great work at GQ with, uh, <laughs> with uh, getting in the ears of some of these QBs. I got in the ear of one David Carr, who was the first overall draft pick in 2002 and happens to be related to Derek Carr. David Carr assured me, one, Wentz will work out with Reich. That marriage is perfect. Two, he said that Derek Carr is definitely staying in Vegas. That is a hundred percent that Gruden is definitely rolling with him in 2021 per David Carr. It so, sounds like the Colts tried to get him. I found that very interesting. A Colts reporter said they, they called about Carr and got a pretty firm. Makes no. sense. So that's, they, that's, that's, that's a good, that's said, a good report. It's interesting. He also said that last year during the season, they took four calls asking after Derek Carr and were turned down three of them from the same organization and I cannot figure out who it is. David Carr would not spell. He said, we'll figure out who would he not take the call from. I I, I don't know. I said, uh, Bill Belichick. And that leads me to this. I could no. see him calling Bill. No? Who was it then? I can't the figure Bears? out who he's. Maybe the Colts. In, in no. the middle of the 2020 season, check? Yes, during the season. Calling Derek Carr and wow. getting turned down for it. And I Three couldn't times. figure out who John no. Gruden has bad blood with that he wouldn't take the call from but it i said would Derek go to new england and i think that you you want to have your fun with the demise of the pittsburgh steelers i've had my fun and i'll continue to with your patriots 
I can't believe everybody, I can't believe you, you've genuflected for 20 years to a fraud, Rosenthal. Bill <laughs> Belichick, it's all about the QB this whole time. All, the, all this insane uh, uh, Dark Ages kind of uh, witchcraft. And, oh, this is how we do things. So the only way you can win is to, is to abide by my word. Do your, the soulless, do your job. I'm a grown man, let alone, <laughs> I'm, I'm a high-end supreme athlete and 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 you're reducing to me do your job just do exactly what be two-dimensional and do that and in exchange you'll get a lombardi now that it doesn't come along with a lombardi who has any value is willing to go up into that mess i think matthew stafford has set the tone and i think it's gonna i i really do think that this year this 21 21 season for the patriots is huge for bill belichick he knows it he cares about his place in history, and all of a sudden, if he doesn't land somebody, he better figure out how to get, I don't know, Mac Jones? I mean, how, I don't how, know often, how often do you hear, like, anyone talk about Vince Lombardi basically pissing down his leg for four years in Washington? No one cares. No, it's, it's over. different. It's, it's not over. apples to apples, Greg, because, and we brought this up with Chris Russo when he was on our show right before the Super Bowl. Now that Brady has won that title with the Bucks, unassailable, the legacy, there's no, there's no question. This guy, if there ever was, I mean, the fact that he changed teams and won another title, unbelievable, the GOAT. Belichick, still an all-time brilliant mind, arguably the best head coach ever. But when you talk you about can find, two, You can find proof of that on videotape. Look around. These, two, guys, <laughs> these two, two players, the player and coach, tied forever together. Belichick almost he has to build another big time team before he goes or that will be attached to the discussion of Bill Belichick. And I know you don't want to hear that, Greg, because you've had so much fine. glory I'm and just you're saying, saying I don't think he, he could piss down his leg and all this stuff like Vince Lombardi did. No, Brady makes it different uh, because it wasn't like Bart Starr went somewhere else and did something or however it played out with Lombardi. It's just different. Right, but you and literally Belichick... don't even know how it played out. Like he embarrassed himself and they were terrible. And literally it's never been brought up just about ever. It's like, it doesn't matter. I just don't think that bothers him. It but you understand the difference a, between the Vince Lombardi situation and the Bill Belichick situation and t- with Tom Brady involved here. Why? Because Bill Belichick was tied at the hip with Brady. Brady goes somewhere new, wins another title, Vince Lombardi got old, went to Washington. It was at the end of the line. It was it was a, just a different setup. That's all. But also a totally different era. But Greg, to right. your point, you said the also Patriots football, took like, their medicine in one right. year. So I agree with Sheck that next year, if Belichick goes, you know, a soft five and eleven and refuses to get a real quarterback this offseason, thinking he's going to punk us twice. Well, I mean, I do think that the, in terms of a talking heads, his oh, yes. reading takes a huge hit. Do Absolutely. I think that he's actually Joe Philbin in disguise? Utter nonsense. He's a great coach. He's he. That's a half measure, though, Sessler. It's that. See, you. What side of the fence are you on with that, Mark? Is he? Is it a talking head situation, or do you actually think that it would hurt his legacy if he went out uh, that way? If Belichick's next, let's say he has four more years, and they're all losing seasons, it is an unavoidable point of discussion, and it does affect everything that we would think about Bill Belichick. But what I'm stopping. The malarkey is the idea that, oh, actually, this is a C-minus coach 
who's oh, hidden behind you. a great quarterback. <laughs> I'm with I you mean, 100%. I, mean, I will, I will, I'm not on board with that at all. I guess well, it's just like, he actually is. Right. It, it, it is just a talking point. I guess I'm just saying, like, okay, what, is, what does that mean? Like, do I think way differently of Tom Landry or Jimmy Johnson? Or Bill Walsh, like struggling at the, you know, doing his thing. It's like, you don't, I don't know who thinks about these things. And I don't think Bill Belichick does either. I don't think, I at this point, I think he does. He does. Did I you think, think he thinks about it probably 40 minutes out of every hour. Greg is still processing that Super Bowl. I think I he think think cockamamie list of best uh, when he did it for the 100th best <laughs> player. Some of those names, he definitely cares about pro football history and his place in it. And I have talked with people who are relatively close people who were in his circle over the last 20 years on his team. Willie McGinnis, you can just say. No. Like you don't know that many people. You know, it's like Willie, it's David Carr. That's it. So it's got to be one of those. Let the man make his point. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and take shots at uh, at the name drops here, but I'm going to plow on anyway. Um, The uh, yeah, listen, he, I've been assured that he definitely cares about this. I love the idea. It, it, one of the great missed opportunities. I don't know what uh, what amount of money it would have cost. Obviously, he's willing to do things that humiliate himself. Witness those subway ads. So I wonder why he wouldn't um, put a camera on himself for the four hours of the Super Bowl because that would have been delicious. I would have. Yeah. What would have been more fun than watching Belichick? Let, watch the that Let it be said, listeners uh, that are going to now get on me. Oh, I can't believe Danny's bringing up Belichick again and ripping Bill. I didn't do this. Sheck brought this up this time. Well, one more thing, and then I'll be done about this. Uh, But I I sincerely, I mean, they have obviously dominated the 21st century, the Patriots. Um, And as we now try to make sense of it, one other thing that's going to go against Belichick going forward is it's not the same AFC East. The Bills are a mighty force. I think the Jets have a chance to put things together pretty quickly. And the Dolphins are are fascinating, assuming Tua turns the corner here a little bit. I mean, it, it is very realistic that they could get into a little mini run of uh, a fourth place finishes for and, in the next couple of seasons. And to bring it back around, Shaq, uh, things have changed for the Pittsburgh Steelers, too, because they had a nice long run there where – it was them and the Patriots, and it just felt like one of those teams was going to come out. Another team would jump in every once in a while. Everything's changing. In I mean, the they AFC. haven't made a Super Bowl in like a decade. They, it always is funny to think about them as as they were that team that was like kind of there, but not really. Like the Broncos were there. The Colts were there. Like Peyton Manning was there, but whatever team he was on. But the Steelers weren't really ever there. They were a team to admire if you're a fan of a, a team that's struggling or an AFC North team, but they were never that like competitive. <laughs> you went too far. So you were trying to take a shot, but you went too far and it became cartoony. And and I just want to say uh, the, with Sessler and Damashek together on the show today, it just shows you, you know, in this, in this country where um, everything's so turned up and it's always one side against the other and a lot of bad blood and, the fact that you two gentlemen have been on the show today and it had you could we haven't Greg and I haven't sensed any hatred or tension, despite the fact that I could tell you, Dave, that a lot of your tweeting during the season really got under Mark's skin. No, uh, and then Mark had his great, great come up and come January. And that that felt like a measure of revenge against you, Shaq, for some of your pithy comments about his beloved Cleveland Browns. The fact that you guys can be on the show together and <laughs> there's no ill will. Just kudos to both you men. That's who we are. Yeah, that's right. We're, we we define class together and individually. But I, I really do think, and I'm not trying to go down another rabbit hole, 
you talk about Jared Goff and Jimmy G and Carson Wentz and all these guys, I I am not convinced that Baker Mayfield is definitely the guy who is worth a big second contract. I'm not convinced of that, and I get that. I take it with a grain of salt. I re- I sincerely, I felt pleasure for, I felt happiness for, because I'm classy, like I say, for Mark Sessler and the long-suffering Browns fans. Most of them. Some of them, there's always a percentage of creeps out there with any fan base. But I was happy to see that. Also, though, the celebration that came off of that, and as though they had, as though <laughs> Tom Brady thought that Browns fans got a little out of hand for winning a wild card game on that one. Like, that was like drunk Tom Brady off the boat was like, all right, settle down, Browns fans. You only won a playoff game. I agree with all that. I, I mean, I, I think that it had been 20 years and it was a good I mean, deal. Of course, it was a big moment, it was Jack. in Pittsburgh. It was a whipping. No, you should celebrate all that. Enjoy it while you can. Our, it might be another 20 years. Who you never know. You might as well. I, enjoy no, no, it. no. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't have enjoyed that. I, I, I am though saying I, I really do. Don't get over your skis about the Cleveland Browns because they did that. You know, they, they really, they really were a Mason Rudolph two point conversion. And then who knows a field goal in overtime away from not even getting there in a game that they had to have at home. They almost lost to Mason Rudolph. Now, they turn around and they shame. This the is so Steelers condescending, a, Mark. I can't wait till you get to reply. I, I just said, uh, I, I just said they shamed the Steelers in a fashion that 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 was hard to stomach. I, I there are more painful losses that I would attribute to Tom Brady and the Patriots um, in a couple of title games in the 21st century, but the most embarrassing loss was that one. I mean, Marquis Pouncey over the head, Roethlisberger throwing the worst interception, literally. I know that sounds hyperbolic. The worst interception of his career was which the first one was that in that game? The first the one where he sailed okay. at seventeen feet over uh, James Conner's head um, for the pick, and then and then you guys were off and running. I do though the 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 um, the low expectation and the result that you got. I could see the Browns winning the division in twenty twenty one. I think it now has that vibe of a destination kind of place. Like if J.J. Watt lands there and you put him alongside on the other side of Miles Garrett, fascinating stuff. It'll be a feel-good um, summertime for Browns fans. I just – I'm not positive that that bakes the guy. How say well, you? I, I, well, I would say this. that The whole thing that these teams have to deal with where you aren't sure who your quarterback is, but this ticking clock – sits out there on having to give them a massive contract just because all quarterback contracts are giant at this point. I think it's a huge talking point in Cleveland, but compared to where he was a year ago, I mean, Baker, I think did everything you could have asked, but I'm with you that like, do I think I would rather these contracts be like two years long and then we can let's check back in and see where we are at that point. But what I find delightful is that one of your primary concerns um, and whether you're not to feel this way about yourself, I feel this way about you you are concerned about Browns fans getting over their skis. Um, that hasn't been an issue for decades plus. And what I what I noticed on Twitter um, was palpable panic from Steelers fans after they lost that playoff game. And, you know, Steelers fans, they're not that much different than New England fans in the sense that of a, if you're of a certain age, the bad times, you know, the truly bad times are deep in the rearview mirror. If you think that what just happened was tough to handle – 
Try two and a half decades of that, and let's check in on the mental um, state of Pittsburgh's fan base then. It will be interesting. It will be freaky. I cannot wait to hear your comments in we, 2048 or whatever that that's is. Right. We won't be able to see the, the Steelers fan skis because they'll be buried under an avalanche. The snow yes. coming down on Dan Street. And uh, I, thought, I thought that's what you were about to – I thought this was all leading to you like – if you thought that one hurt, you ain't seen <laughs> yeah, I, nothing. I thought he was yet. going there too. I wanted it to go there. Greg, you kind of you were mentioning it earlier, and it, it it's funny. Sheck brings it up because yes, the golf contract went sideways, uh, the Wentz deal went sideways. Baker did come up in my mind as well. That as as great as he was at points last season and his rookie season as well, maybe just wait it out to yeah, see how this goes. Season goes. Let let's see, like. Okay, you're a little grumbly, Baker. Just wait another year. What's the big What's the big hurry? I'm with you. Well, on on all these guys, it's like you. It's if you have Deshaun Watson, that's one thing. Like just sign him early. Although you know, even the Texans might have some regrets about that. But just if it's not Deshaun Watson, don't sign him early. Um, they're gonna blow that one. They're gonna they're they're heading down a path. They, they're gonna they're gonna wreck themselves by holding on to Deshaun. But it, right, uh, that's what they they're, they're not gonna deal him. I bet you they hold on to him. They they would be wise to deal him now or before the draft at least, but they're not going to. I think they're going to hold on to him, and they're going to mm. be like, hey, third week of August, when you showing up to Sean? And he's going to be like, never, still should trade me. And they're just going to sit on him because of the philosophy of, like, you, you, you can't negotiate with free agents who are sitting out because that sets a bad tone and all of that. What about, I mean, it's going to be bad. I mean, it's, a, it's a pristine organization with – crystal clear thinking at this time so i don't know where the doubts come from i think maybe it's been a playing playing the game for too long but as jack is setting up that hypothetical which could play out certainly i'm thinking about my fantasy draft and, and what would i do in that situation um, interesting he should go way, to the jets is where he should go that's i know i'd love it i'd love it I, I don't know if it's gonna happen but it would be great mark we talked about the browns before we say goodbye um for the weekend uh, this is something that we didn't get a chance to talk about earlier, but uh, the man deserves a moment of discussion and a, one of your favorite NFL figures of all time who passed away last week. Let's listen uh, to a little bit of this figure. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Marty Schottenheimer, one of the great uh, head coaches of the late 20th century uh, top 10 uh, in all time wins passed away at age 77 Marty ball. It was, and he had a unbelievable run with the Cleveland Browns also with the chiefs, some huge seasons, even though it never got over the, they never got over the hunt hump uh, Washington football team and the chargers. He went 200, 126 in one in 21 seasons. Uh, a big time winner, Mark, and I know uh, when you came of age as a football fan, he was el hombre, the man in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know we could all, for us, like as Dave said, we're cheating life to be doing this as our work. Um, but we don't get here also without um, football at some point um, capturing our hearts, our imaginations. Um, for all of us, is when we were young, young boys, and when I became obsessed with the Cleveland Browns. In 1986, when a friend moved to my town, my East Coast town, where everyone was watching the Giants and Jets, 
you know, it was like, I'll find out what, whether or not this Browns team is for me. Um, I, as a favor, I watched a Monday night game. My friend's saying, this will be your team. Dumb. I think it was like, like a low-level Cowboys fan. He's like, forget the Cowboys. And it was Bernie Kosar. It was Ernest Biner. It was Frank Minifield. But for me, I've always been coach-centric because I played football at that age, and my coaches made a huge impact on me. And Marty Schottenheimer, um, right away, I just felt like, this is what a football coach is. And for me, it was his verbalization and what he would say. And whenever he spoke, I just thought this guy is different than the, you know, big beer belly dude that is, you know, you know, just punching a clock. This guy is a motivating force and a wonder on that front. And he really, really got those Browns teams to believe. And I'll never forget that it was guys like Ernest Biner who said he was like a father to me. So many Browns players said that. And, you know, on a personal note, my mom um, worked for this law office and the head lawyer guy was friends with Schottenheimer. And on a whim in like 1988, she's like reached, she had this guy reach out to Marty Schottenheimer and just say, there is this like obsessed nerd on the East coast who loves the Browns and shot point blank. Schottenheimer sent me like this signed poster of the entire team, you know, which is not a big deal, except when you're that age, I was literally freaking out. And I went to my first ever Browns game at Cleveland Municipal Stadium in November of 1988. It was a surprise gift from my dad. And they went and whooped up on a bad Steelers team, you know, that 88 team back then. And uh, it was in a pouring rain. And in the third quarter, Schottenheimer had organized for at old Cleveland Municipal Stadium for my name to be put up on the big, gigantic end zone dog pound uh, teleprompter thing with an announcement along with a bunch of other announcements, Girl Scouts and all this other business. But one of them was happy birthday to this guy from the East Coast. And I, he, it's little things like that. But I think Marty Schottenheimer, the person, if you ever go watch a football life on him, it's the person up until the end. And I'm, it was really sad to see how he went out because he wasn't able to be that engaged fire starter. And it's a pleasure to have Dave on the show because I know that Wes was one well, the one person I could talk about those old AFC Central days with. He knew it. He was a Bengals fan during those Schottenheimer-Browns days. And, Sheck, you were right in that mix, too. It was a special time in the NFL. It really was. I loved that, that AFC Central era there as Sam Ritigliano gave way and Bump Phillips gave way to Jerry Glanville and Marty Schottenheimer and Sam Weish and Chaz Knoll, the emperor of the division, reprimanding some of those guys. If he didn't like something Jerry Glanville did, he would let him know on the field right after the game in the handshake kind of stuff. Before Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh on college football fields were arguing with each other, Noel would pull him in and say, you better tell your guys to cut that crap out. And he would reprimand them like, this is our division. This is how it is. And Schottenheimer, a Pittsburgh guy, was was easy to root for, not just because he was from Pittsburgh, but the, there's a gleam, man, and all that kind of stuff that you see in movies. And in the muck and mire of January, I did find myself rooting impossibly for the Browns to win those games. And Rich Carlis missed the field goal in overtime. It would have hit the post. Football would be different. We could have had Sessler Bowl. I never realized that it really would have happened very quickly because it would have been the Browns and the Giants in uh, uh, Phil Sims versus Bernie Kosar. What a Super Bowl for the ages (laughs) that would have been if young Mark Sessler could have watched that. To steal his uh, steal his heart for all of time, if that matchup would have happened. But yeah, Schottenheimer, mm. he kind of you know I don't know I don't know where the middle is there. I guess it's somewhere in between of like Belichick's way and Bob Knight's way and Iron Fist and all that kind of stuff. 
And Marty Schottenheimer, beloved by all who encountered him, father figure and all that. I know Browns fans wish and Chargers fans would have liked to have seen him bring a Lombardi home. But in the meantime, you know, listen, we can saccharin as it may be, you know, th- those things are nice too. May, I would have liked for the Browns to get one, I guess, so that Schottenheimer uh, had that and therefore would have had a gold jacket, certainly. Chase John Elway his whole career. I mean, uh, yeah. Kansas City, too. Chiefs was- fans, too, and Chargers fans. I saw this. I saw this. You know, he was 80 games over 500. I saw this, like, advanced metric evaluation of the best dynasties never to reach a Super Bowl, which is like they they defined as a four-year run by football outside, that the Saints just entered that discussion the last four years, basically. And mm-hmm. I think they were, you know, in their statistical view, it was actually going to be number one. Number two and three were Schottenheimer teams, and it wasn't the Browns. It, ah. was, it was the Chiefs, and he contributed to most of the Chargers run, which Nord, Norv Turner finished off. And so, like, he – he coached great teams basically everywhere he went. It was it wasn't even just those Browns teams. So many. I hope you and Antonio Cromartie are happy with yourselves, Hansus. You really ruined uh, what could have been a special season for the San Diego. You know what, Antonio? Yeah. That, that doesn't happen. Um, you guys, wait. Am I getting it right? That wait. What? How did that go down? That was a part of. Um, and it was also, a fourteen and two Chargers team, number one seed. The Jets right. were nine and seven. They ran for uh, like 400 playoffs. yards in that game. They, yeah, there was a, a, it was a close game, but yeah, the Chargers just seem and those Marty teams always seem to come up short in the playoffs, but also in just crushing ways. And I was thinking about, of course, everybody knows the drive and the fumble with Cleveland, but with the Chiefs, they had some excellent teams. Uh, in addition to the Chargers teams that are excellent, and like I was looking back at, back at my old pain rankings. And I would have a category, the patron saint of pain for organizations. I had Marty in that because he was he was the face of the, you know, building up those massive Chiefs teams in the 90s that would always stumble and fall when it counted. Well, they they should have gone to the Super They should have played, uh, really, um, they would have played the Cowboys in Super Bowl 30. And it would have been a grand one if uh, if the their kicker did, hadn't missed three kicks in that game. Yep. Um, yeah, that would, that, that's, um, yet another one. And I just, just, uh, cause I have to hear the answer. Rosenthal, Eric Coriel's, uh, and Dan Fouts's, uh, chargers have to be. The number I think one, their numbers didn't right? go back. I think DVOA, DVOA doesn't go back that far. So it goes back like 30, some 35, 36 years or something. Um, okay. There you go. And I did get a chance to meet Marty Schottenheimer when we wrote uh, the blog for around the NFL, around the league. And people would come through the studio and do the car wash. Got to sit down with Marty and his wife. Just a, a really kind what? man. Where was nice I room. that day at work? What, who um, was I interviewing? I went into um, that Shadow League figure's office and I said, Mark doesn't want it. Uh, Mark would rather <laughs> just sit and file copy on Deshaun Jackson's hamstring injury. So I just handled been it. Been talking to unserious uh, guy. Been talking to Damashek again, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Keep his eye on the ball. Oh, um, all right, there you go. Rest in peace, Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, Shaq, you've come and you've said it all. And uh, we really, we, mi- we miss everybody because uh, we haven't seen anybody from the office uh, in a year. Uh, but the fact that uh, you are no longer with the company, that's a bummer too. So uh, it's just great to have you uh, on the show. Well, a, a pleasure, of course, and I look forward to uh, once this uh, this insanity uh, is lifted, uh, being able to, you know, Rosendahl, your wife, 
Wes and I, two of the great dinners of my life. And and I remember, by the way, Hanzu Sessler, Wes and me went to a great steak place in New York City. Rosenthal, the Mrs. Wessing and I had a three and a half hour dinner in a restaurant. And you and Rosenthal, Handsome and I had one of the five best dinners of my life in New Orleans. So I look forward to getting back on that train. And I, I lament that, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I texted the Hanzus uh, last night. Little things stand out to me now. I saw that Barry Larkin has signed on to do color analysis for the Reds this year. And it, me, the first thing I thought, like, Wes is going to love uh, uh, Wes yeah. loved that. He really, that would have, yeah, he loved to watch the Red Legs uh, just purely for pleasure. And he would have enjoyed that. And I joked with uh, Cecil, I look forward to uh, the rise of Joe Burrow and watching Wes struggle to fight off the urge to start rooting for them once again. But uh, I appreciate you. Guys, having me on to talk about a great fella. Absolutely, Shaq. Yeah, thank you. And yes, again, Chris Wessling is being celebrated on what would have been his 47th birthday over on NFL.com. It's up now. I just checked it out. So if you go to the homepage, scroll down, you'll see uh, a lot of his best stuff, including uh, one of his great pieces, 10 football books you must read. And he put a ton of work and effort into it. In fact, in honor of Wes, and and, and thanks to Mark as well for – putting it on my radar um, number one on his list is a fan's uh, notes by Frederick Exley. Uh, and I, I scooped that up on Amazon last week and I've just started it and I'm really enjoying it. And I, as I'm reading, I was like, Oh, I get why Wes is in love with this book and this writer. Uh, but check that as well. If you're, if you're somebody who absolutely loves football and just want, craves the best writing about football, uh, nobody had more knowledge of that. Uh, than Chris and Chris sets sets the table so beautifully in that article. One of the many great reads over there on dot com, uh, as we remember the great Chris Wessling. Um, all right, anybody else have? I would just say that fans notes that um, one of my earliest memories of West was before I met him. But you know how you know you'd start to engage with people on Twitter and go back and forth. And we, um, I don't know how it started, but we got on this riff about a year and a half before he started at NFL.com about a fan's notes. And I immediately just remember thinking like, this is a different type of um, sports fan and sports writer on Twitter. Like he wasn't, it had nothing to do with numbers and analytics and all this other business. He was in love with what that story had to tell. And so I really think that anyone out there who's not read that book, you will get um, a sense and a slice of the West mystique um, inside those pages. Well said, well said. All right, we'll be back. Uh, full slate of shows next week as we start to edge, of course, toward uh, free agency and the draft. And thank you again to the great Dave Damashek. Check him out, Minus 3 Pod and the Extra Points Podcast. And hopefully Dave's a Thunder. They just, you know, just come on, give us a we'll, 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 we'll be back. But happy birthday in the meantime to the boss and to Wes. And uh, keep up with the mirth, fellas. Thank, thank you, you, Shaq. Shaq. All right. uh, and happy birthday. To Greg Rosenthal, yes, 42 sir. years young. Jack, the Jackie Robinson of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, Stan Hansen <laughs> signing Jackie off for Jackie Robinson. Check <laughs> the old boss and the new birthday boy. I'm and of course, 42. Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Have a great weekend until Monday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 